Walter, did you think of anything else you want to discuss, or are we just going to play it by ear? Oh, we can play it by ear. I think we'll cover a lot of stuff. Okay. Stopping. What's going I'm stopping on? My, I'm stopping my rustling. <laughs> sounded like uh, an ice bag opening. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did you know? I mean, I, I, I have my rooms full of ice bags here. Uh-huh. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't see the live stream link, so as soon as that comes up, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'm not streaming till eight fifteen, oh, okay. so uh, so I have to wait. But I'm going to the site right now too, just so I'm ready. His sink is dripping. Yes, the sink is dripping. I was going to boot it up to sink 2.0, but I haven't got it yet. <laughs> okay, now the sink is no longer dripping. Have you guys already started your show? Are you doing your show in the background? No, no, no we're just uh, killing time for two two more minutes. Yeah, we're just about to oh, go you, live. Oh, oh, you haven't started your show. Okay. No, also, I'll it. tell you when we're, when we're on there. You'll find it very, very structured. <laughs> I'm going to walk away from the computer for about 90 seconds. All right. But I'll be back. I feel terrible. And so is it a fever? What's going on? Fever, aches, like it hurts when people touch my skin. Oh, you have that hypersensitivity, so yeah. probably a flu. Yeah, it's nasty. Came on really fast last night. I had kind of felt a little bit like maybe a slight sore throat, but not really bad. I know ever since I had my tonsils out, I have not had sore throats, or not as many, and so... It's hard for me to tell when I'm getting sick. And then like 7.30, it was like, bam. And then um, aches, chills, hot all night long. Just totally like skin on fire. Couldn't get comfortable. Didn't sleep. So. Get well soon, Adam. I'm amazed at this uh, Atari 2600 list here. There's no way Pitfall lost out to Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, there's three there's, million. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There's a couple of reasons for that. Hmm. The main reason is that Atari inflated the numbers of distribution because they boxed that game and sold it with Atari systems to get rid of it. Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah after it wouldn't sell. Oh yeah, and Activision was a yeah okay. So there's some artificial inflation in that. Pac-Man number. I never looked at that. I wonder if it actually says it's a Bally Midway licensed game or something. Doesn't it say it was made by Atari? Atari licensed it from Namco. Oh, They licensed the home rights. So, while Midway was doing the arcade thing, Atari took the home route. And you'll see that Atari did that with a bunch of games. They did the Tengen Pac-Man. They did well, they did all their games. Tengen did Sprint and all that stuff. Atari games were put out by Tengen on the net, on the NES. But there's lots of games that Atari licensed. We're a minute over. Plus, you know, Midway and Bally, they didn't make a home system. Oh, we are a minute over. Oh, I start streaming. Hey, Walter. <laughs> we'll be back. Well, we're we're streaming now, so that's okay. Okay, I'm hitting. Starting the refreshing. The refreshing. The refreshing. It's so refreshing. He said 90 seconds, but it's been like three minutes. I hope he's I like cake. I like cake. <laughs> All of our listeners are like, he's not actually going to be on the show. 
<laughs> he was just here. He was. He was just mm-hmm. here. Really, he was. I'm not kidding. I'm the guest. <laughs> hey, Dan, how you doing? You were gone last week. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Or two weeks ago? It was uh, vacationy. Hmm. You were not vacationy. You were like in an MRI or something. Yeah, but it was vacation. How's your back, by the way? Yeah. Sucks getting old. I know, right? Don't do it. It's just kind of happening. La la la. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the back cave. <laughs> I think he just. I can see his ceiling fan. He could be in the in the men's room. He's in the I matrix. There's a glitch in the matrix. It's like this, I guess this is the cold open. This is just like us waiting for Walter. Walter. Hello, Walter. Hello. I heard. I heard your. I heard your call all the way across the hall. <laughs> all right, we're just about ready to start the show. Are you guys ready? We're ready. I'm ready when you're ready. ready. Okay, everybody, places. Uh, you know, wait for your cue, and we'll kick it off. Welcome to Video Game News Update. I'm Walter Day at the Twin Galaxies International Scoreboard. Imagine playing a video game for 36 and a half hours and one quarter. That's definitely superstar play. From KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Arcade Radio. the universe so what's the score well ask walter day of twin galaxies in a in kirksville welcome to episode 14 of the arcade radio podcast today is thursday march 13th 2017 and the time is now approximately 8 19 p.m central thanks for joining us in the arcadosphere this is your host captain kangaroo i'm joined by the legendary dan reed and temporal displacement expert Mark Time Runner Shields, and the special guest host of the Arcade Radio podcast this week, the outstanding, the famous, the distinguished, the notorious, the magnanimous Walter Day. Welcome to the show. I am honored to be on today's show, or is it tonight's show? <laughs> it's tonight's show, but you know what else? Uh, yeah, Dan just yelled at me. I I said March, and I meant April. It's April 13th for the listeners out there. That's what you get with live radio. <laughs> Time travel is not allowed, Adam. Time no travel. <laughs> we did this a month ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, uh, why don't we kick off by saying, um, you know, what are we working on in the hobby? Mark, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I am reassembling an XD mousetrap. It's been fun finding parts. My DeLorean time machine is in the shop and ready to go. I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, so I don't have access to all my stuff. 
Oh yeah. Uh, but I am brokering deals for Wells Gardner 6100 parts as I'm also working on putting together a Tempest. Nice. And your Mark Mark Shields. Mark Shields, Time Runner, uh, TemporalDisplacement.com, UncleRicosVan.com, blah, blah, blah. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Don't go to blah, blah, blah.com, though. <laughs> blah, blah, blah.com. <laughs> Dan, what are you working on? Oh, I'm back in full swing of things, boys. I got my uh, journey out in the garage. I got my cloak and dagger in the garage. And I have decided against my better judgment to actually do the Neo Geo at the same time. So I'm working on those things. All of them in the garage at the same time? Huh? All of them in the garage at the same time? Yes. It's just a terrible idea. So if you guys are new to the hobby and you're going to start restoring things, listen, don't do three games at the same time. Just a terrible idea. But aside from that... I am working on a new top secret project. So now that my journey uh, modern replacement board is done, I sort of needed something to fill my time. And I'm not ready to make a formal announcement yet, but I will tell you it's multi-board and vector related. And that's all I'm saying. <gasps> FGP, FPGA. I'm not saying anything yet until I get this thing. Working Are you working with Brian on that is. thing? Oh, wait. Hey, guess what, guys? Um, Brian, um, um, Armitage McLeod guy, you know, Paradise Arcade guy. Who? The yeah. surgeon? Yeah, that Who? dude. I've never heard of him. This is like a friend of ours that we plug every week. Who? He got, uh, he is, um, manufacturing the OR boards now, Omega Race boards. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, uh Walter. Well, I'm here. Well, I'm hi. Here with bated, I'm with, here with bated breath. Uh, <laughs> what are you working on? What are you working on? I'm intrigued by how good you guys sound. You guys <laughs> sound like you're. You guys sound. You're you're a real radio show. I love it. <laughs> We're just uh, wondering what you've been working on in the hobby lately. Well, uh, <clears throat> of course, people may have heard that we're filming a film. It's a reality show, but I'm not allowed to talk anything about it really other than that we've been going different places uh trading and so we'll see how that all develops and that's why we're in minneapolis recently it was quite a whirlwind tour when we reached minneapolis because uh we went into game informer magazine and we're on the game informer show and that's still online if people want to click on that and watch that billy mitchell the legendary brian Koo, and myself were there with the host of the game informer show up in the offices of the game informer magazine which has like a six million so magazine circulation which has never been done it's like the fourth biggest circulation magazine there is i think behind uh, that's awesome you know, like reader's digest or family circle or something like national geographic something like that so it's up in the stellar atmosphere and then we went over to uh good company which was at what tv station was that was a ktsp that's right. That right yep ktbsp so we went, i think that's abc isn't there's a cbs mm, yeah well so we went into the studios for Good Company. It's, uh, it's not called Good Company anymore. It's called Twin, Ga- Twin, yeah, Twin Galaxies, Twin Cities Live. That's right. I think that's what it's called now. And Billy Mitchell appeared on their show. This is all on Friday the 24th of March. So it was just a little while ago, if people can remember that still. And, uh, and I pointed out to the crew that was running the show there that I had been in those studios on that stage as a guest in – at least uh, one time in September of 81, 
And I think the other time was in August of 81. So I've been there in their studios on that stage as a guest of the old show called Good Company. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you remember that? That's awesome. 36 years ago. So how about that? (laughs) KTSP Channel 5. uh, Yeah, so that was uh, TCL Twin Cities Live. That's their new show. Yeah. Wow. And then we went over on Saturday. No, Saturday we went over to, what did we do Friday night? I can't remember. Um, Saturday we went over to the Mall of America. We hung out there and Billy made some speeches. I made some speeches. And we went over and hung out uh, on Saturday night. We went to Up Down. Oh, yeah. Up we Down. did some filming. And then on Sunday we went over to the legendary Paradise Arcade. Uh, <laughs> Paradise Arcade Sales, right? Paradise, Ar- Paradise Arcade Shop in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, Par- yeah, Paradise Arcade Shop in uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, so it's quite, it quite a whirlwind weekend. And uh, so that's a lot of fun. We do appearances and do things like that. Get brought to arcades or different places to make appearances. So uh, uh, we have fun with that. But I personally do a bunch of different things. And I really don't know how long-winded I should be because I know this is a, That's all right. a radio show. <laughs> um, you, you go as long as I, you want. I do a lot of things behind the video game scenes. Uh, 40, almost 50, almost 50 years ago, I got trained, believe it or not, as a teacher of transcendental meditation. So oh, people cool. have noticed online and in different situations that I will talk about it every so often and even tout it and uh, recommend it and then post links to articles because uh, transcendental meditation, which is dear to my heart, is something that you actually do that affects your health and affects your state of happiness, affects your intelligence, your creativity. You sit down and close your eyes for 20 minutes in the morning and evening, and it's a miracle how it will change the quality of your life because it just opens up channels and turns things on and actually, according to scientists, develops and unfolds the latent potential that's in your brain. So I'm in the background involved with stuff like that. But in the foreground, people know me as right now the trading card uh, guy because (laughs) I believe that trading cards are a fun, 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 educational and entertaining vehicle for teaching about culture and teaching about history. So I have four big sets that I'm proud of. One of them is, of course, the video game and pinball trading cards. Another one is called the biographical trading cards, where uh, it's like a, uh, I, I foresee it becoming a 3,000 card set because it's all about commemorating the lives of the people uh, who have been very influential in history who have affected the rest of our lives. So that's from baseball players to, to dictators to, uh, uh, you know, scientists to explorers to kings and queens. So uh, uh, on my website, which is called thewalterdaycollection.com, all one big long running word, thewalterdaycollection.com, I have almost 300 of those books cards already posted on the website uh, that's uh, and actually awesome. even po- I even posted a blurb today I even posted a blurb today on my Facebook page that said happy birthday to Thomas Jefferson and Lord North Lord North was the prime minister of Great Britain at the time that the American Revolution happened and so he was in charge it was on his watch that his government lost the the, the American colonies <laughs> so oh, it's wow. his birthday today and I had cards for them so I posted the cards and wished them a happy birthday 
with links leading back to the biographical card set. So I do the trading cards for video games, for biography, for science fiction. In a few weeks, I'll be in Pittsburgh at the at the uh, what's called the Nebula Awards. Uh, if anybody has fiction, they'll recognize that the Nebula Awards are one of the two most distinguished awards in the huge science fiction industry. It's issued as a peer review award by all the other writers. Uh, I'll be there, and I'll get up on the stage, and I'll make presentations because I do the science fiction trading cards, and they love them. And so they allow me to get up on the stage and present trading cards to winners of different categories of the Nebula Award system. So, And then after that, I go to Helsinki, Finland, where I do a repeat performance, and I give the trading cards and awards on the stage to uh, the people who win the Hugo Awards, which is actually the premier, I think it's the premier award for the science fiction industry. So I'm in science fiction, I'm in video games, and I'm in the historical biography of all the important people in history. And uh, I do another one for my local community, Fairfield, the town I live in. I live in Fairfield, Iowa, and I do a set of cards for them. You, you are my extremely big love, busy. My big love that's just my big love that's just around the corner. I hope and think is uh, sitting down and finishing writing the musical that I've been working on for some time. Oh, excellent! An actual musical. So that's what I'm doing in the foreground and the background. Wow, that's 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 a lot of stuff. I don't. I can't even compete with that. You're a busy man. <laughs> this weekend, uh, um... And also, also, I'm renovating nine games at the same time. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. What are you working just, on? Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, dang. I was, just reflect, I was reflecting on your warning that you should never try three games at once. <laughs> I was like, you just schooled me in front of everybody. Thanks, Walter. Well, uh, I'm not working on much right now because I'm actually a little bit under the weather, so if I'm a little less energetic than normal, I'm sorry, guys. Take over. Just take the show i'm done <laughs> so at any way um i'm gonna be selling a few games in the next couple of days i've been talking about those i did sell a turbo at mgc over the weekend just getting rid of some of the overstock in my collection and i'm working on the show and excited to have walter here with us today so let's move on to the next yeah, segment. exciting let's move on to the next segment um and that is um the arcade news with dan reed here it's the arcade news with don Welcome back, Dan. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're going to uh, cut this a little bit short because of our special guest tonight. We wanted to have the most possible talk time on here. So just a few quick things to cover. Probably one of the more important things is Sky Cursor. That is now available for purchase. If you're interested, you can buy a kit or you can buy a full game. And the prices are somewhere between 700 for the kit and... And fifteen hundred, I think, for the upright, or is it even more? Can you remind us what more. Sky Cursor is for the audience members who don't know who it is? What it is? Sky Cursor is a shmup. It's a brand shmup. new game. It was actually featured at the old MGC this past weekend, was it not, Adam? Uh, yeah. Yes, I didn't see it. So oh, what's the story with that? It's probably downstairs. I didn't. I didn't get to that one. I did get to a, a game called Cosmotron. And I can mm -hmm. talk about that in a little bit. So it's kind of exciting. I mean, it's uh, a good sign of things to come potentially with the release of a full arcade cabinet and a whole new, I guess, the air, I think they call it the airframe. So it's a little bit like a Neo Geo where it's a system you buy that you can plug new games into as they are 
being developed. So pretty cool. I think they fly through the air into your into your game. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it looks good to me. I've seen. I've not played it, but uh, I kind of I kind of have a special place in my heart for games like that. So pretty neat. So I think the website is griffinarotech.com if you're interested. And there's probably a link on there somewhere in a very obvious place where you can buy from them. But aside from that, uh, I believe the biggest news would be MGC this weekend. And our very own Adam went. Do you have anything to report, Adam? Yeah. Uh, so I did not see the you know sky cursor there. But, Disappointed. Um, but that, I, no one was telling me to look for it. No, bless oh, you. Geez. Oh, oh um, boy. No one was telling me to look for it. And uh, it, MGC is a giant place. So for me to get to like every single little thing is pretty difficult. I did rub elbows with a lot of people, um, bumped into a couple of people that were in Man vs. Snake. And I talked to Jersey Jack. And I talked to a group of guys from Cosmotron, which is a brand new. Uh, really awesome four-player competitive gravity game um, that I would love for it to end up at UpDown. Um, but they are they are looking for backing right now to be able to produce it. They only have one unit. Uh, so I, it, wow. it, it's really frustrating because it was a, a highlight of the show. Um, what's the time travel game that Sega made uh, back in the day? Time travel. Time traveler? That time one traveler, yeah. So time a, traveler. Do you remember the cabinet? It was like a giant white cabinet. Right. It was tiny. It was a little pedestal. Like you it, could, it wasn't yeah. little, though. It was about six feet wide, and it was about four oh, feet yeah, tall. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty big. So if you imagine that same sort of form factor, but it's standing six feet tall with a little um, you know, set of like... Uh, asteroids controls on for four people and then a, a big huge widescreen and it's all done vector style so a little ships basically omega just think you know asteroids omega race but competitive so that was like literally the coolest game there i must have spent most of my time over at cosmotron um cool. there was an uh drizzy jack was there with a new um pete lawler's original concept uh dialed in it's a new pinball machine that features bluetooth connectivity so you can actually like hook up your phone and then use your phone for the flippers and it also has a camera built in and the whole theme is like a smartphone theme so oh yeah dialed so, in i do remember this yeah so when you yeah so um when you play it it goes into like selfie mode and then it'll start snapping pictures of you while you're playing the game which is kind of embarrassing that's hilarious um but yeah so it's the first original concept game to come out by any pinball maker in a very long time because pretty much everybody's doing themes like ghostbusters and batman 66 and the hobbit and game of thrones and you know the list goes on and on but this is pretty interesting that dialed in is you know and it's actually a very difficult game i I played it with um armitage while i was there and we got schooled a couple times but i I enjoyed it i thought it was fun so so i'm interested did you say who is the publisher is it stern jersey jack oh jersey jack interesting jersey jack is actually um in my opinion they're the superior pinball maker now um oh yeah without a doubt stern uh does what they do they do a good job um I think that Stern has gotten used to being the powerhouse and the only game in town. And um, Jersey Jack had sort of a slow start with, um, you know, Wizard of Oz and Hobbit and such. But I think they're really going to 
um, and dial it in, so to speak here <laughs> and be able to, you know, uh, compete at a, a higher level. The trouble is all these games are just stupidly expensive. You know, you're talking right. about eight thousand, nine thousand dollars to get into a modern pin today. Um, and I just, you know, for that money, um, I'd rather have a set of solid states from the eighties. So, um, Walter, uh, have you ever been into pinball much? Uh, no, no, actually, actually, uh, Pinball somehow didn't come up my as a kid. Pinball didn't come up my my radar, and I oh, didn't wow. become uh, established in pinball on, on any level. And then later on, uh, I was just so engrossed in the video game competition world that pinball was a uh, wonderful and intriguing, but it's something that I never personally did. And also, I find that I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I have no rhythm. I have no sense for it. Did no Twin rhythm, Galaxies no balance, ever have no any pinball machines? No timing, no timing, no no intuitive connection with it at all. It's just completely an alien thing for me. And that doesn't mean I don't like it. In fact, I walk through the different events that I've gone through, and I marvel over how beautiful the machines are. And I think that if I ever had actual money, I probably could become a pinball collector, but <laughs> I'm not expecting <laughs> to have that kind of... I'm not looking. Looking. I'm not trying to get it anyway because uh, I, I I'm amazed by how a, a top top rare game in the video game field might be one or two thousand dollars, and but that same kind of thing in the pinball realm, uh, you know, some of them are fifteen grand now. This year, some of the games were fifteen thousand. The brand new games. Which one was it? Yeah. Ghostbusters, uh, LE, or whatever it's called. Yeah, when they get those limited editions and special editions, they get up there in price. They're it's out of control. I don't yeah. know how people can afford them. Yeah, well, the, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so MGC was a hit. We had um, all kinds of industry alumni there. Uh, Tim, I can't remember his last name right now, but he did the Atari art book. Was there? Um, so there was. It was just an awesome show. Uh, Dan Lucen will. Uh, probably be on the show in about a month or so to do an official M- uh, MGC postmortem with us. Cool. Sounds good to me. And uh, to kind of speed this along, I think we're going to call that the Arcade Radio News for this week. So uh, back to you. All right. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the to cave, cave with with. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Hey guys, step into the DeLorean time with I don't know why that happens. Step into the DeLorean time machine with me. Watch your head as that old gullwing door can sag and bonk you on your noggin. Get ready to time travel with me. Ow. We're going to Sunday, November 7th, 1982. And why did I pick this date? It is the date. Life Magazine gathered the Ottumwa, Iowa high school cheerleaders and 16 arcade game all-stars. Nice. On Main Street behind six of the top video games in the USA. So everything here that I'm going to mention was either happening on that date or, you know, it was the top of whatever happened that week. Oh, that's cool. This will be fun. And so this way I'm going to get a little bit of hopefully some interaction with Walter. Are you, are you game for uh, trying this, Walter? <laughs> Yes, let's do it. Okay, good. Okay, so um, a bit of arcade news. Uh, Konami this week in 1982 released Time Pilot. Oh, sure. Uh, One of my favorite games. And so there's a cool story about it. Uh, The guy that designed it, his name is Yoshiki Okamoto. He also uh, designed uh, Gyrus for Konami. 
and then eventually Final Fight and Street Fighter 2 for Capcom. Pretty cool. Can, um, I, can I just interject one thing here? Yeah. Did you guys... Oh, wait. <laughs> no interjecting. <laughs> <laughs> I have to interject. Did you guys hear about Canada hiding the Konami code in its commemorative $10 bill launch? What? what? No. What are you talking about? I'm not even kidding. So this week, they announced Canada's currency, already the world's dorkiest... <laughs> <laughs> with its plastic material and transport windows for uh, a $10 bill celebrating the, the nation's 150th anniversary. They hid an Easter egg of the Konami code up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, start in the, no. in the bill. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's on end gadget. Go, go check it out. I love the, <laughs> they're the best. Yeah. Wow. You be respectful of our guests, Mr. Dan. <laughs> okay. I said Canadians. Oh, right. And, you know, our two Canadian listeners, let's not alienate those guys, all right? <laughs> all right. Um, I was giving them kudos. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Back to Yoshiki. Um, the way he designed Time Pilot, um, he, he told his bosses, hey, I've got this idea. They said, no, don't do that. We want you to make this driving game. And so... He secretly gave instructions to his programmer to work on Time Pilot. And then uh, when the Time Pilot was released and was a success, his boss claimed that it was all his idea. Typical. Yeah. I love that game. Uh, Walter, have you uh, grown to love love Time Pilot? Or what's your, uh, what's your take on that game? Well, when Time Pilot first came out, I loved it. I thought it was quite wonderful. And it actually was pretty groundbreaking at the time. It was a, it was a dynamic game. It was a fun game. I liked Time Pilot. I haven't played it in years and years and years, but to me it was a, it was a, it was in Twin Galaxies back when I, back when it came out. So I don't have anything more, you know, That's not gripping to tell you, but it just was a simple and good and fun game. And uh, people would line up and, you know, make for, for some time, of course, it would have been the most successful game in the arcade. But that quite often applies to every new game. Sure. Hmm. In fact, here's my perspective. There was a phenomenon called the new game, that I call the new game phenomena. And what it was was that if an arcade, because uh, we had three or four arcades in a Tumwa at the same time. And if we had a bunch of games and we're pulling in a reasonable amount of you know, you know, traffic, if the arcade across the street brought, brought even just one brand new game in, there would be huge defection of our customer. <laughs> <laughs> arcade and and uh and you got to realize that they would be they would be paying nine hundred and fifty dollars for the game okay how much they was paying, that how much they're going to almost almost three thousand dollars was the common almost three thousand would be the common price i think 27.95 back in the earliest days of twin galaxies was a common price for a new game so it's, it was just just close to being the equivalent of you know buying a car and so so they would have a a row of games there and that's a row of cars they have in there each one with a mortgage on it so they would bring a brand new game in and suddenly everybody would go across to them and start playing their games and playing that new game and we would suddenly be you know, not not empty but certainly certainly less 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 income so then we would buy an even newer game because a lot of games were coming out very fast back then. This, we're talking about 81, 82, 83. We'd buy a newer game, then everybody would come back to our place all excited about the new game. 
And uh, that means that suddenly the people are not over there playing their game, which was new two weeks earlier, but now is. And uh, the problem was that is that all these arcades who were doing that, uh, who, were, who were trying to draw the traffic to their place, they were they were they were they were they were killing each other. They're putting us out of business because both of them were working together to ensure that neither one of them could pay their their monthly mortgage payments. And at the very end, on March 6, 1984, the Twin Galaxies Arcade closed because trucks pulled up one morning uh, and they hauled away the games. They weren't our games. They were in there uh, on a lease agreement with a local route operator, and the route operator couldn't make the payments. So he got foreclosed on, and it died. And uh, Twin Galaxy suddenly having a, a, a an empty room full an empty uh, empty arcade the room full of games became an empty room of no games so uh, so that's a funny thing uh, so there was a time there when Time Pilot was really pulling in the dollars and a period when just a few weeks later it's got less and less and less earnings and towards the end there nothing was paying for itself yeah the games could pay the mortgages because. Uh, at the same time, there were too many arcades offering too many games, too many rival situations, too many rival places to spend your quarters. So eventually, uh, everybody was going out of business together. All right, Mark, what do you got next? We're going to talk about the top five songs from November 7th, 1982. Number five, Jack and Diane by John Cougar. Little Diddy. There you go. I like to clap my hands when the song comes on. <laughs> well, let's not listen to it. Talk over it. Tell us right. what's going on. His fourth album, his third album was called Nothing Matters and What If It Did. <laughs> it sounds very confrontational. <laughs> he had a session player on that name, John Jarvis. Uh, John and Wonder Woman's Linda Carter recorded original songs just a couple of years ago for the game Fallout 4. Linda Carter, huh. Wonder Woman? She sings. I did not know this. Hmm. Man, she's like pretty. Songs. They're a little jazzy. I miss Linda Carter. She's still out there? She's gettable, man. You miss 80s Linda Carter, though, right? Let's be honest. Mm. I, probably. Anyway. She's on Supergirl. <laughs> she was on Supergirl. Oh, right. She was? Man. Yep. Oh, yeah. She's the president of the United States, of course. Okay. You guys both watch Supergirl. Seriously, come on. They overshot that one. Uh, hey, let's go to number four. Uh, I keep forgetting every time you're nearby. Michael, Michael McDonald. A little bit of the Doobie Brothers there, huh? Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's but do he's it. not. A, he's not a Doobie Brother. Is this? Is this? Well, he used to be a Doobie Brother. Yeah, this yeah. is his first solo album after he got out of the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, this is. This is non-Doobie. Right, right. Mr. my best Michael McDonald there. That's pretty good. Walter, have you met Michael McDonald? Uh, never. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the fun, fun, fun thing about Michael McDonald, a few years ago, this eBay seller, whose name I'm not going to try to say, he made a decision one morning, as, and this is what he, he said in a quote. Uh, I made this after I woke up suddenly at quarter of five. My bed was soaked in sweat, and I had a higher power that made its vision clear to me <laughs> to build the world's first michael mcdonald arcade joystick are you kidding me <laughs> what what, what right. how i don't even know what i don't know what that would look like pictures 
Michael McDon- well, there's a link. Michael <laughs> McDonald's face. Um, the blue button theme was di- designed to match his uh, soul-piercing blue eyes. Oh, my gosh. It was sold on eBay for an unknown price. I don't really know what the final like $16 thing was. $16.32. Is that right? No. It was, um, <laughs> it was briefly used in a smoke-free houseboat. <laughs> is that Dan you got, laughing? You got to look at this thing. Oh, is it... <laughs> want it so bad someone buy it for me (laughs) did you put a link in the chat (laughs) i think only you can do that oh no why why can't you do it you're you're there typing i'm not uh it won't let you wrong it is wrong (laughs) it was very uh yeah that was a a topic of conversation for a couple of days so let's move along here number three heart attack by olivia newton john who i thought was fine had the hots for her big time all her videos, all her videos though are like uh, far away shot, medium shot, and then really up close on her face, and then they repeat. <laughs> Sandy from Greece. So, interesting thing about Olivia Newton-John, she was hired by Nintendo to advertise their Nintendo DS brain training game series, which I totally did not notice that they sold. Brain train, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I do. For their handhelds. Uh, Interesting, and they also got her to do some We Fit commercials. They were mostly in the Australian markets. Did you know there's a conspiracy theory on the movie Grease? That the very ending of it, when they fly away in the car, is her dying in the beginning of the movie when she's swimming around and drowning. That was actually her swimming around and drowning. Yeah. Wow, that's just a yeah. You like that? Conspiracy, man. Conspiracy. You know what's funny? I watch Supergirl. I don't care about that story. <laughs> There's a Family Guy episode where uh, they're in that car, but they've been up in the air for like a week, and it's really cold. <laughs> anyway. There's an episode of Taxi with them in a, where they get stuck in the taxi in the wintertime. Anyway, uh, uh, moving on. Yeah, we're almost at number two. Who Can It Be Now by Minute Work? Oh, love it. Yeah, that, this, awesome. is, this album Classic. debuted at like number one. It was a huge album for them. I love it. Uh, I've met Colin Hay, very nice guy. Yeah. Um, cool thing about this is that Minute Work are in the game Saints Row 2. You can customize your character uh, in such a way that when he's driving a car, he'll turn on the radio and sing along, not well, by the way, to <laughs> some songs. And one of the songs is uh, Minute Work's Down Under. That's a good song. But like when the guy's singing, he's like, the, 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 down under, you know, like that. <laughs> he doesn't know the words. He doesn't know the words. <laughs> or she. We're moving up. Last song was Up Where We Belong by Joe Cocker and Jennifer mm. Warnes. Nobody likes that. No. Blah. You know, actually, he opened for Tina Turner a few years back and uh, he did this song. He's actually. You, st- what's that? Did you? Were you there? Yeah. Did he do hands things? Did I? What hands? What? He likes to like be very emotive with his hands. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he was so funny. He was jumping up and down, and he, you know, like if you look at his picture on his greatest hits or essential hits or 20th century masters or whatever he's got this huge head of hair he's a skinny guy and now he's got no hair and he's really heavy and he was just jumping all over the stage it was great awesome 
Um, let's talk about what was uh, going on at the box office when they shot that Life magazine cover. Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone's First Blood was number one at the box office. Ooh. Third weekend in a row. Great movie. And what's funny is that E.T., the extraterrestrial, actually kept becoming number one, and then it was displaced, but then it would come back. It's kind of funny. Like um, my notes here say that uh, Death Race 2000, another Stallone film, are what spawned the XCD game in 1976 called Death Race. Hmm. Um, that's kind of a fun game, and you're supposedly only running over gremlins, not innocent bystanders. Oh, yeah, there so was some controversy around that game. Crazy rare game. Walter, do you remember Death Race? Well, actually, Death Race uh, came out before Twin Galaxies opened, and by the time it opened, uh, it wasn't that commonly distributed, so we never had one, and I never saw one for years. Hmm. Yeah, they were banned in most um, cities because of the violent content. Those yeah, poor gremlins. True. And the same with Chiller. <laughs> um, so what was on TV that week? Well, on ABC, the memorable Matt Houston. Sure. Yeah, can't wait till they make the movie. On NBC, Voyagers, Chips, TV's bloopers and practical jokes, and then the seldom seen TV's greatest commercials. Hmm. I assume are funny commercials. I don't know. I don't think that one lasted very long. I would watch CBS, that. would you? CBS had 60 Minutes, Archie Bunker's Place, Gloria, The Jeffersons, One Day at a Time, and Trapper John, M.D., the classic. Sweet. Um, I didn't realize this. I never watched Archie Bunker's Place. It was the spinoff to All in the Family. Come to think of it, I didn't watch All in the Family either. But uh, it was set mostly in Archie's fictional bar, Kelsey's. The bar usually featured a pinball machine in the background. Uh, Gottlieb's hit, hit the deck. Bally's Fireball Two and Stern's Disco were among the many pinball machines that you saw during the show's run. And that's it. That's all for the back in the cage segment. <laughs> Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. That means it's time to interview Mr. Walter Day. Oh, yeah. Walter, welcome to the show again. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, you've become quite the arcade legend since the debut of King of Kong back in, was it 2006? Well, what, why don't we skip that topic for a minute? Can you share with us a little of your history before you started the Twin Galaxies Arcade? Well, I was born in Oakland, California. As a youngster, we moved down to Anaheim, California. And we moved into Anaheim uh, eight and a half months before Disneyland even opened. My understanding is, is that we moved in about the same way that Walt Disney actually signed the contract for all the property that eventually grew to be Disneyland. So when Disneyland opened up on July 17th, 1955, my family and I, we went in there on about the third day of its existence. I've been saying that for years, but we can't really be certain if it was a third day, but it was right sure. very beginning. So who knows? So uh, I have Disneyland in my blood. So I always have this tendency to want to make amusement attractions out of things. So maybe that's why this happened in the way that it did. But then we moved to Lynn, Massachusetts. And there in a suburb of Boston called Lynn, I went to high school, then went to college. And I got trained to be a teacher of transcendental meditation as I come earlier. I ended up moving to Fairfield because there was a big university campus here, actually specifically focused on the practice and the study of science and the application of 
the Transcendental Meditation Program is something you do for education. They call it consciousness-based education. So it's a very profound campus. It's called Maharishi University of Management, and it's become a very, very big deal around the world. A lot of spinoff branches all over the world. But while I was here, I had to find some sort of way to support myself. I fell in love with video games. Holy smokes that I fell in love with video games. And as an excuse to be able to play more video games, I opened up Twin Galaxies in downtown Ottumwa, which is 24 miles away from my town. My town here is Fairfield, Fairfield, Iowa. And 24 miles away is Ottumwa. And on November 10th, 1981, we opened up an arcade, me and a friend named John Block, and it grew to be a pretty good success. Probably the hardest thing on the arcade was the creation of the scoreboard because I'd pull money out of the arcade to support the growth and the development of the scoreboard. So <laughs> that was kind of financially difficult for the arcade just to survive. And so for our listeners, the scoreboard is uh, what? The Twin Galaxies scoreboard became the official scorekeeper for the world of video game playing. Uh, it was the scoreboard that you'd find listed uh, a table of scores and all and, and many, not all, but many of the magazines back old days from 82 83 84 85 it was the scoreboard you would organize contests it would create rules for playing it would crown champions it would enforce the rules essentially it was the birth of esports when twin galaxy started the scoreboard it created the rules for competitive play so that people in different different far-ranging locations could compete against each other based on the high scores on their local machines. The whole world of arcades became united into a global esports arena way back in 82. So it was the birth of esports, essentially. Yeah, organized, I, I, organized competitive gaming, <laughs> not just gaming. Because gaming's been around forever, but it was organized competitive gaming to allow people to truly, truly become world champions, knowing the, that they're beating everybody else who's part of the system. I was just going to add to that, Walter, that Billy at the Mall of America dubbed you the grandfather of esports. I think that's maybe true. I agree. Yes, so. and that could be not very. Uh, I mean, I have a trading card here that says Walter Day, father of esports. So it's got to be there true. Go. There you go. It's it's public consensus that over time will decide if there's a father of esports and who that person is. It's true. So even even though I have that card and it's a little tongue in cheek, uh, still when that time comes and if it ever comes and they're considering potential candidates, I know that I will be one of the candidates that they'll have to consider. So that's probably the only thing real I can say about the situation. But but I'm honored and flattered anytime someone refers to me as the father of esports. And it could very well prove to be it could very well prove to be true, but it's not me to decide. It's future generations of people and their just their collective decision. Mark, uh, do we have any questions in the chat? Yeah, actually, uh, Andy's asking about your songs that were in Chasing Ghosts. He wants to know if recordings like Easier Said Than Done, Love is a Changing World, or anything else, is that available anywhere for people to buy? No, all my songs are unfinished, but they play sometimes in complete form inside my head over and over and over again. I love the cards so much, but I'm actually going to make the concerted effort to go and put a lot of attention on the music starting in a couple of months. I thank Andy for caring enough about my music to even want to bring it up. I appreciate that very much, and I look forward to doing the music and, and uh, making it flush out the way I hear it. Nice. So on that note, is it true that uh, Chasing Ghosts had two separate... Uh, soundtracks completely for the movie? Well, if you can get the prototype uh, one, it has an amazing soundtrack. 
amazing soundtrack. And also there's a lot more footage and scenes in it that had to be cut out in the process of making it. What, what was it shown? Was it shown on H? I can't even remember anymore. Somewhere it was shown. On Netflix? They had the, when, they, when they were tooling around with it and making the original version that they were marketing to film festivals and to potential purchasers, it had a remarkable soundtrack. But then they couldn't afford the level of cost required to have such great songs. So they had to come up with some sort of music that hopefully captured the mood of each each respective moment. And some moments it probably did capture it, but generally it didn't. Uh, so, there, yeah, there was, a, there was an original soundtrack that was marvelous. In fact, the main anchor song that starts it off at the beginning and ends it at the very end is Space Age Cowboy by Flock of Seagulls. Space nice. Age Love Song by Flock of Seagulls. That's how it starts, right there. Yep. On yep. there. And, it's, and it's very, it was so perfect, it was unbelievable. I actually created. I and, I and five of my friends and my girlfriend, and my girlfriend too, we went down to Park City, Utah, and on January twenty second, two thousand and seven, uh, Chasing Ghosts premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, and then about a half an hour later, Slam Dance Film Festival, which is the rival film festival, also, you know, brought to you by Park City, Utah. In other words, just one block away, uh, the King of Kong did its world premiere. Both of them, like, within a half an hour of uh, in the same town in rival film festivals, Slam Dance and Sundance. <laughs> and so a lot of, there were different news stories that were marveling over the fact that two movies with a lot of the same characters and were come out at the same time in the same city in the same, almost almost the same film festival. So Chasing Ghost is a fun, fun movie. And something happened with its business trajectory. In other words, whatever However, they signed contracts to move it forward. Something didn't seem to be done right in the paperwork, if I understand, which disallowed it from ever, ever uh, reaching DVD. So, and I don't know all the details, but that's the story, the rumor I've always heard, and I don't know anything else, because you never, you never see it. It's never been marketed or sold. And, of course, King of Kong has gone on to become a legend. There were some film critics who are very smart, very experienced, very plugged-in film critics, did this big research where they watched the 3,000 top movies, or what they presumed were the top movies, of the last 10 years, so that they could select from those 3,000 the 30 30 films of the last 10 years. And they chose uh, King of Kong to be number 29 in that series of 30 top films. And there's other places where I've seen that King of Kong is considered the sixth greatest documentary ever made. <laughs> and, and who knows what's, I mean, I mean, there's no question that there's an artistic quality to it. It's an, an immensely entertaining story, but of course it doesn't reflect what actually happened. Yeah, okay. it tended, and it's tended to forcefully create villains and heroes, whether or not they deserve to be villains or heroes or whether or not they actually were villains or heroes. So,
Mm-hmm. I actually have a question. And, you know, we, we actually regularly bring up these documentaries, so our audience probably is loving hearing this from the first time from someone who's actually been in those documentaries. But can we can we talk briefly about a scene from Chasing Ghosts? I think it was in Chasing Ghosts where, you know, there was like a tour, um, there's to be a tour of pro arcade game players touring the country. The idea was that each city would promote the games and then you could beat one of the masters, you could win a game. Um, and it started out with, it was supposed to start out in Boston. Um, that was called the, that was called the electronic circus. Okay. In February of 1983, my phone rang one day and there was a man from Boston who worked in a company called meeting planners. His name was Jim Riley. And he said, Mr. Day, I've been sent to you by the video game industry because they say you're the person that I would need to work with to make this happen. He said all night last night, I was up all night, unable to sleep with this big, big vision of a traveling electronic circus. And he invited me to supply my champions, and it would be called, I think at that time it was going to be called the Twin Galaxy Superstars, and he offered me 25% of the whole gate if I brought my act on the road with him, okay? Wow. And then a little bit later, I started talking and interacting with other people who he was signing up, and they too had been offered a quarter of the gate. At that point... The warning bells went off, and I realized we had a problem here. Houston, we've got a problem. So essentially, it it mismanaged itself to death, and it didn't have enough, I guess, funding, and it didn't have enough advertising. It was open from July 15th to July, I think, 19th. It was five days long. Boy, was I thankful it closed down at the end because I was so tired because the hours were deadly, and then, then then it dropped dead. It had 50 different games. No, no, it had it had mainly, I think, was 10 different games, 50 copies each. So I think there were like 50 gyruses, 50, you know, dragon slayers, I think. Wow. Maybe, maybe just one dragon slayer. There was, there was 50, like, super Pac-Mans or something. And people were going to come in and face off against my champions. But along the way, once he had the players all wrapped up, then he stopped calling me and never would work with me again because uh, he had the players, and that's what he wanted. So the players rebelled, though, and demanded that I be brought in. So suddenly he had to kind of like uh, bring me in. So I was there for the five days from the moment it opened up till the fifth day when it closed, uh, kind of out of bankruptcy. But it was a brilliant idea, way ahead of its time, super, super expensive, you know, with uh, with union labor and with big, big semi-tractor trailers to carry the games around. They needed, I think, to have 20 or 30 or 40,000 attendees to make it break even. I think they had like 1,100 or 1,200 at the most. Oh, that's too bad. Now, I'm going to kind of play into a little story that Billy was telling us um, a couple weeks ago. But at some point, a bunch of kids, these these uh, arcade masters, these superstars, ended up using Twin Galaxies Arcade as sort of a place to crash for the night, as a, a refuge. Uh, what was it like to be surrounded by these these kids that looked up to you and were so talented at these games? Well, one would one would wonder whether or not they looked up to me or not, but I, I was surrounded. <laughs> I was surrounded by all these wild, wild kids. I essentially was babysitting a lot of people's other people's children, but uh, but we were there together as fellow serious gamers. And the reason we were there together because way back then, long before the Burgian esports of today, we all believed in the future of competitive electronic gaming. All of them wanted to be organized uh, professional video game players. The same dream that the modern players have today, and the modern people getting into 
they had back all those years ago. It's just that there wasn't the technology available. There wasn't the infrastructure available like the Internet. There, wasn't, there was not the sponsors available. See, with modern technology now, a sponsor can reach farther and farther and farther into the culture and be seen with their product by more and more people. And then also with the technology being so advanced, they can also verify how many people have seen their product and they can see the results. See, in the old days with Twin Galaxies, uh, we actually got in a big bus. We actually drove to different places in person to uh, be at the arcade. We had to go in person because there was no internet. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard there was an incident with the bus at some point. Oh, many instances. The bus broke down, I think, it was five times or six times until finally at the very end, it blew a gasket, it uh, blew out all the oil, and, uh, and uh, the bus was by the side of the road in Minnesota up in a place called Portage. No, it's sure. Portage, Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Okay. Portage, Wisconsin. Is it still there? Is the bus still there? We should go find it. <laughs> well, I thought you can ask me if Portage, Wisconsin is still there. <laughs> Maybe that's why Wisconsin has all those warehouses full of arcade games. The do they have do they have warehouses full of arcade games? Oh yeah. <laughs> you mean some some of them are still untapped and on? Uh, uh, oh sure, sure. Yep, we find those every once in a while. Oh yeah, Wisconsin's well, got a truckload of them. Wow. When's the last time when this last time something really cool came out of a warehouse in Wisconsin? Uh one of the local restorers here, Sean Williams, he uh found a Juno first just within the past week. And that's kind of a How about game. that? I liked Juno first. Yeah, it's a great game. That was Centuri, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's take a left turn, get away from video games just for a second. Can you tell us about some of your experiences in India? Well, I go to India because I go to I go to Hyderabad. You probably haven't heard of Hyderabad. And even though it's the fourth biggest city, hmm. population-wise, it's the same size as New York City. So uh, About 8 million uh, people? Yeah, about, something like that, exactly. And also, it's considered the Silicon Valley of that Middle East or Far East or whatever it's designated as. It's the Silicon Valley for the not just India, but for the whole region. So that tons and tons of wealth there. You know, you, you view India as being a place of poverty and, you know, peasants. And yeah, that's true, a lot of places. But Hyderabad is completely of a different style. It's, it's pretty amazing. But it's there in one of the sprawling outside neighborhoods of that town that I go to an actual spa it's called the Raju Family Ayurvedic Clinic. And I go there, and I do an ancient technique of medicine called uh, Ayurveda. That's spelled A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A, Ayurveda. And that rejuvenates the physiology uh, and in many ways reverses the process of aging, heals it deep, removes toxins and negative things from the system. And so it's, it's like a, a great, great, great thing to do for life extension. And so, you, so uh, you, that's your primary reason for going to India then is just... Yep, yep, yep. I go there, I go there to do the spa to Excellent. reverse the processes of the terrible strain that the video game industry is putting on me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's breaking. So speaking of strain, you, you have like, uh, I think you mentioned you have somewhere near a million trading cards or something now. Between the video game one, the biographical one, Fairfield, my local city set, and the science fiction ones, we have a little bit over 1,650 printed so far. 
different cards, individual uh, cards, different and then cards. and then you 1, have them. And each one almost unanimously, except for maybe out of the one thousand six hundred and fifty cards, maybe a hundred of them were printed in a run, less than one thousand copies. Okay. So therefore, we have produced essentially 1.6 million cards. They're not all there because I've given a huge number of cards away. And by the way... you I can, probably have given away a quarter of a million cards, <laughs> and you can give you you can uh, buy them on eBay too if you guys are looking for. A, oh yeah, please come and do that because uh, after all these years, we've been giving away cards for free for so many years. At this point, the only way the project can continue forward is that well, actually, people sponsor cards. That's one of the things that's happening nowadays. People will sponsor the printing of a card. It's about $50 per card, sometimes slightly less. But any time that it is less, then I take those leftover dollars and put back into something else in the project. So, uh, see, some guy was on the on the Internet with me today discussing sponsoring, like, maybe Neil Armstrong, the famous astronaut. Oh, yeah. And a person was online today discussing uh, sponsoring Ray Bradbury, the famous science fiction author. Another person, a businessman in Southern California, he's considering a, uh, getting in and sponsoring 32 cards in the science fiction set. Uh, another person in Southern California, he's agreed to sponsor 10 cards in the video game set. So, But there's so many cards. There's there's literally hundreds hundreds and hundreds of cards ready to print any time I can raise the money to print them. I kind of psychologically have grown way beyond the idea that, oh, this is my business, even though I love doing this and wouldn't mind it to be my business to survive. But I really see this as a, a statement, a historical statement, where I create the cards as a gift for future generations to marvel over because essentially the cards commemorate the history and the culture of our times. Because the phenomena of cyberspace and video games and being an electronic gamer, it's a big cultural deal. And by having all these different people, so many of them aren't what you consider world-shaking famous people. Uh, With having all these people on the trading cards and all these historic milestones and different events that normally would not have been recorded or recognized or remembered by the history books, we're making a historical tapestry that future generations will be able to follow and look at and marvel at and see who the people were that were the people of the first generation of gamers. Because you and I, all of us, we are the first gamers. Yeah. And the cards essentially say, we were the first gamers, and this is our story. That's cool. I love that. We, you know what? We have a, a few questions in the chat. Yeah, we have a couple questions there. One of them is the six... Was it six or seven games that was uh, in the Life magazine photo? Did those come out of Twin Galaxies? And do you know what whatever eventually became of them? The actual physical machines came out of the Twin Galaxies arcade. Oh, so that and, operator probably snagged them back. Oh uh, yeah, they got went back into the arcade. However, however, I have the old records for Twin Galaxies, and I could go back and I could find. Uh, uh, because uh, the the operator, what was called Hawkeye Amusements out of Iowa City, would stamp like a four-digit number on the side of the game or in the front the front drawer or the front down at the bottom. So if you have a game with a four-digit number stamped in it in the front or the side, it possibly was a Hawkeye game, okay, because they, they had like over 4,000 machines in their route, and who knows where they went. So technically, I could possibly find the numbers in our records 
for the games that were there that week, November 7, 1982, and, and re, re uh, you know, research and uh, be interesting to see if any of them reconstruct yeah. what the numbers were. And uh, now here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Uh, me and Brian, me and the famous Brian Koo, <laughs> legendary. We we went on we went on TV together about two months ago, and in a newspaper article together, talking about the old tokens for Twin Galaxies, because after all these years, I don't have a single copy of the old tokens for twin galaxies and it's like a it's like a to me it's like a holy grail uh, if anybody has in their collections the tokens that say i think it says space amusements family arcade but it says space amusements with a t a ts on the end space amusements if you have a uh, and it's the big it's the big token that's slightly bigger than the quarter. So if you have one of those tokens that says Space Amusements on it, you have a Twin Galaxies token. Because we've been trying to find them in Ottumwa, and no one, even despite the news of being on TV and the newspaper, no one has come forward from Ottumwa. Uh, a couple of people came through in a nearby city, but generally uh, the tokens, how many ever were ever made, they all seem to have disappeared into a black hole. So everybody should check their collections to see if you have a Space Amusements token, because that's the official Twin Galaxies token. <clears throat> it was never called Twin Galaxies back in the early 80s. It was called Space Amusements. And it, and those are .984 for those nerds that know the size of their tokens. Yeah, that's right. That's right, I believe. It's just slightly bigger than a quarter. Yep. Now, six games, we didn't have a Ms. Pac-Man, okay? And so we suddenly discovered at the last moment across the street in the local strip parlor, a place called the Horseshoe Club, the little old lady there had a Miss Pac-Man. So she loaned it to us uh, for a few hours for the photograph. The photograph was over. She said in her deep, deep foghorn voice from having smoked five packs of cigarettes a day for 40 years, she said, <laughs> hope you folks realize that the Horseshoe Club is expecting full, full credit in Life Magazine for the use of their Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway, somehow, somehow, Life Magazine failed to give her full credit, but I don't think she ever knew or ever cared. So that's water under the under the bridge, I guess. <laughs> I hope this stuff is entertaining to you, folks. Oh yeah, oh, this absolutely. is awesome. Yeah. So another one for Walter. He says, "I'll keep posting. No worries if I can't get to him." So there, there were other kids in the pics and chasing ghosts. Um, so in in uh, he, I think he's referring to the Life Magazine thing again. In Chasing Ghosts, there was more kids in the photo than were featured in the film, and he was wondering, um, do you know anything about them or why they weren't featured in the film? Uh, there were 16 people in the photograph. One of those people, and that was November 7th, 1982. In July of 1985, one of those people drowned. Of course, he's not going to be in the photograph. Sure. He'll not be in the, the documentary. He was a good guy, and we, we miss him, but unfortunately he drowned. So that left 15 people. Uh, one person got in trouble and went to jail for years, so he couldn't be included. Yeah. One person from Bakersfield, California, after that photograph, in the next summer, June of 1983, from that moment onward in June of 73, we never saw him or ever heard from him again. And despite the fact we've looked for him again and again and again and again over the years, including the people who did, uh, chasing ghosts. One of their day jobs was to actually find people. Uh, they actually were hired uh, to be like detectives, finding people. Despite all their advanced skills 
and the resources they had at their fingertips, they could not find this person. His name was Doug Nelson. He's the one who's kind of like standing up or standing up a little more in the back with a big bushy blonde hair and a beard. Nelson sort of in the center. Uh, We could never find him again. He was in Bakers, California. And allegedly, he was about 29 years old at the time. So you'd be able to tell what year he would have graduated. Black Ops. Would have, been, would have been around 1970. So maybe he got arrested and was, was in jail or something like that. Or he's like Doug, Doug, Doug Nelson has never surfaced after all these 35 years. Witness protection program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, probably a, he's probably a video game podcaster in, a, in Wisconsin. Oh my gosh, we have a voicemail. Let's play it. Do it. All right. Hey, RK Ratio team, this is Bob Zarzanek here. I got a serious question for Mr. Walter Day, and I'm real nervous. So my hands are all sweating. If I suddenly drop this phone, uh, you know what happened. Uh, hey, Walter, <laughs> uh, if you could stand in for any singer or musician in any band that ever existed, which one would it be and who would it be for, okay? Ooh, good question. Now and, uh, listen to your answer. I'm calling from like five weeks ago. Anyway, uh, that's all, kids. Uh, Zarja Dick out. So it, the question was, if you could be in any band or play with any band, which one would you play with? Well, I got some pretty... Uh, that, that That's such an interesting question that I'm really reflecting on it. Of course, I'm older than you folks, so I have a bias for the Beatles. All right. That would be, be such a big charge of an experience. Or maybe the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. It would have to be someone who, because on June 24th, 1966, I was at Usher at, the, at a Rolling Stones concert in my hometown of Lynn, Massachusetts. And on that night, the crowd rioted and got tear gassed. So I got tear gassed by the police oh, no. as, as an Usher at the Rolling Stones concert. It's one of their legendary outings. So I think that would have to be the Beatles first. That's that, Yeah, well, you can't really go wrong with the Beatles, right? Right. So, which which nope. which album yeah, is your favorite Beatles. Beatles album, by the way? Uh, well, I was pretty impressed with their White album. I was pretty impressed with Sgt. Pepper's mm-hmm. Rubber Soul. Uh, Rubber Soul, yeah, Rubber Soul, especially Rubber Soul, Sgt. Pepper's White album. I liked all their stuff. Yeah, me too. But Rubber, Rubber Soul was real special, no question about it. You have a proposal for the Superstars Arcade Card Series project for some, for maybe a contest. What do you, what's your proposal? Okay, here's the idea. I like to, well, first of all, I haven't thought it out all the way, but I want to throw this challenge out that we should crown on a trading card uh, the premier gamer or the premier arcade uh, you know, renovator uh, for the state of Minnesota on a trading card and honor him for or her for their contributions to the world of our, the world of classic arcade gaming, classic arcade collecting, classic arcade renovation and refurbishment. So uh, I wanted to throw this out to see if the public would like to put their heads together and vote and assess different candidates and then select who they think is the most deserving person for the state of Minnesota to be on a trading card. And this trading card would honor them for their tr- the tremendous contributions to the world of classic arcade uh, renovating. Oh, so renovating and spe- specifically, or somebody that may have like programmed in the industry, or oh yeah, yeah, it, it can be, it can be, uh, it can have more elbow room than just uh, renovating. So you guys, because um, it's very, very, it's actually very, very, very hard to 
fine-tuned because I think all those different realms of activity are very vital, very important, and very respectable. So therefore, uh, maybe there's also someone in Minnesota who's a big champion, who's like got 25,000 high scores with Twin Galaxies. Oh, yeah. I always stick with Twin Galaxies, and I always make Twin Galaxies my anchor in terms of, uh, you know, verifying world records and stuff. Because there's there's dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Uh, But because of the incredible uh, brilliance of the Internet, anybody can set up a scoreboard and start tracking scores. But Twin Galaxy is the one that actually verifies the scores on a deep cleansing level. So that's why Guinness and considers them the official scoreboard. So, so yeah, so maybe a high score person, or maybe a, or maybe a, maybe a famous, famous podcast journalist, or uh, I nominate or, Dan, a, uh, Mark, and Adam. Done. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we can do that. Let's let's um let's work together to put up a poll. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. And they they could come up into different categories, and then you guys can decide which yeah. person and which category would be the. The, the winner maybe is I going to be your, your champion. Mark, is there like a polling website? Or Dan, do you guys know of a polling website that we could use? Well, I know that. Called I, I think there's one on Google. Isn't there a Google vote? Or I don't know what it is, but but yeah. it's not hard to find. Just just ask on Google where there's a polling website, and you'll have 50 of them offered. There's one on Twitter? Yeah, you can post a, and, uh, uh, a poll on interesting. Twitter. Interesting. The only thing is that uh, once you select someone, the only criteria that they have to meet before they appear on the trading card is that we have to have them fingerprinted, printed. They have to put up. They have to be bonded, <laughs> and they have to have they have to have on their resume that they've at least been up at least one time. They've been up in the space shuttle. So essentially, uh, it's, but they were quite. It's easy. I mean, people get John Glenn. It. It's not that hard. Not that hard. Yeah. So we we uh, I I don't know Dan. I'm thinking off the top of my head. You know, we could we could put some names up there, but we could also have some people. Yeah. Um, nominate like I'm thinking, you know, maybe Sean. You mentioned him earlier, and you have, um, you know, Chris Rhodes, and you've got um, Eric Bowes, who's like this all of a sudden. By the way, Eric, if you're listening, thanks for listening because he just uh, he just trapped me at MGC and said I was, as what kept him um, sane at work. Um, so <laughs> our, our team was rather. So he was um, very complimentary, but he is like skyrocketed in the in the um, in the restoration hobby. Um, you know, like many of us, he went from like zero to 20 games in a very short period of time. So, um, but then there's other people like Walter was mentioning, we should try to put together a poll. Maybe I can get one of you guys to help me out with getting that set up so we can have both a nomination section and then we can have some finalists and then we can vote on it. And maybe, uh, maybe arcade radio can put up the bill for the card. So. I uh, okay. I think that sounds like a great idea. Mark, uh, Dan, do you have I any guess. other names that you're thinking of right now? I think you've uh, the usual ones. suspects around here. It's Chris Rhodes and Sean, and uh, we'll have to see. We'll probably have to exclude ourselves from this awesome contest. So, well, word has it we're um, we're on the we're on the chopping block to have some cards made anyway. So, uh, yeah. the chopping block is that a good thing? Well, I didn't have a good analogy. You know, it's live radio, so sometimes things just come out of my face and they don't sound right. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll is, figure it out. Is, we'll uh, this we'll is work. An- analogy-free radio. Analogy-free. <laughs> yes, I think that's the new REM song coming out next week. Oh wait, they broke up. So, Aww. it's very sad.
So I, I just want to say it's been a real honor to have you on the show, Walter. Well, I've been honored to be on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we uh, we would love to have you on again in, in the near future. Um, you know, we we don't often... Uh, we don't often have the opportunity to have somebody that's been in multiple documentaries and started up a whole scoreboard system for an arcade. So it's been a, it's been a real pleasure. By the, by the way, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Brian Koo just entered the room. Oh, Brian did he? Koo is Brian <laughs> Koo is here visiting as a house guest, and he is available to be on your show anytime you want to schedule him. Oh, uh, he's the best. I love that yeah. guy. He was really nice at uh, Mall Hey, Brian. <laughs> Hey, yeah, he can hear you now. Hey, Brian. Yeah, hey, guys. It's Adam from a couple weeks ago, and Dan. Okay. Good Good to hey, hear your voice. You? Yeah. Is there a kill screen coming up? Hey. There's a kill screen coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I know that gets overused, but it's, you know, we, we were really impressed with you. And Mark, actually, you, you've met Brian before, right? Yeah, at um, Fun Spot. Fun Spot. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, and we're glad we're glad to have all of you from uh, you know from Minnesota come to Fun Spot, and those of you who have traveled a long way to uh, to come see Fun Spot. Yeah, oh, I so want to do that. We should just do an arcade radio. Let's the three of us, and then anybody who wants to come along. You know, not night. You know, just just a low key weekend. We'll we'll make Brian some breakfast. And, you know, sounds good. Yeah, as long as you got well done bacon, sounds like a great idea. And you know, and in fact, nice. sometimes the off season is the best time to come. I mean, if you come and it's not during the summer months, yeah. uh, you can have the whole place to yourself in the classic game section. I mean, there's there's not there's not too many people there. Well, Dave from Buffalo says hi. He says he met you at Fun Spot. All right. Now, was that the same Dave who bought my T-shirt, or a different Dave from Buffalo who bought my T-shirt? I don't know. And then oh. we have. Gus well, Scott we, says I, hi. You know, we've had a lot of fans come to Fun Spot from far away, and you know when when you look at Buffalo, New York, and how far of a car ride it is to get to New Hampshire, um, it shows you how dedicated some of these players are to come and see Fun Spot and you know keep classics going. Yeah, this is yeah. Well, this was a kind of a, a treat to have you at the end of the show along with Walter, but um, maybe we can have you on uh, in the next couple of weeks. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds great if you'd like to do that. Yeah, well, let me... Uh, awesome. I'll talk to Walter, and we'll set you up for one of the next shows, What do you, and uh, and we would love to talk to you. Okay, sounds great. All right, cool. Walter, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, yeah, this is Arcade Radio. That's the double R's. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube, And um, we look forward to having another show here in the next couple of weeks. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for everybody who joined the chat. Walter, Brian, great to hear from you. We look forward to hearing from you again in the future. And this is Arcade Radio signing off. Bye. This is where we dance. This is where we dance. There we go. Getting down. Getting down. Getting down. Oh, I'm doing the boogie. Yeah, I'm putting on some cargo shorts. That's a good idea. <laughs> cargo shorts, that's where it's at, man. Wait a minute. That's an in-joke, isn't it? I, Is that a Brofest joke? Or a Grinker's joke? You do have to, you do have to wear uh, cargo pants to do those things. I don't think I have any cargo shorts anymore. I'll hook you up, dude. 
Gus Scott said, must have been the other day from Buffalo. Bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.